It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Today's episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in. It is the Locked On Carolina Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Julian Council. And for those of you who don't know me, I am new to this. This is my second week hosting the podcast full time. Really appreciate everyone who reached out last week and has enjoyed the content I put out there. I'm doing it for you. Carolina Panthers fans, I want to talk about the things that you care about, the team that you love. I'm doing it all right here. And if you're a Charlotte sports fan in general, you can also check me out with my podcast that I do for a local podcast network called The 704, where I cover Panthers, Hornets, Charlotte FC, Davidson, UNC Charlotte, pretty much anything that's going on in the Charlotte sports scene. I'm checking that out. So go ahead and check me out there, The 704 with Julian Council. But this is the Locked On Carolina Panthers podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter at Julian Council. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify. You can find us on Odyssey. And you know what? Pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. Like you might not be listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You might be listening on Stitcher. You can find me anywhere pretty much when it comes to the Locked On Carolina Panthers podcast, where I talk all things Carolina Panthers. On today's episode, want to get into this article I saw from The Athletic talking about NFL free agency winners, losers, and the questions that they have for all 32 teams. What I like about this article is you get some anonymous sources and some anonymous agents telling you how they really feel about what the Carolina Panthers and every team in the NFL did. Well, we're going to focus on the Panthers and what some of these people feel what the Carolina Panthers did and how they did in free agency. Um, also, coming up on the podcast, did the Panthers get better in free agency? I'll tell you how the execs felt, but... I'm going to tell you whether I felt like this team even got better after initial 5-11 and campaign in year one for new head coach Matt Rule. And then I lastly want to get into how realistic it could be for the Carolina Panthers to be able to fill the rest of the needs and holes that they have in this roster. Last Friday, I talked about all the things that they need to check off their list heading to the rest of free agency. Now I want to talk about whether it's actually feasible and realistic for the Carolina Panthers to check off all those boxes by time they get the training camp in Spartanburg, and by time they kick off the ball in September. So all that coming up right here on Locked On Panthers. But starting out, like I told you, the Athletic had NFL free agency winners, losers, and questions for all 32 teams. Going back, we already know who the free agent signings are. But for those who don't and have forgotten, the Panthers signed offensive guard Pat Fline to a three-year, $13.5 million deal, including $6 million in, full, in fully guaranteed Offensive tackle Cam Irving, who spent last year with the Dallas Cowboys, got two years, $10 million, $8 million guaranteed. Denzel Perryman came over from the Chargers, two years, $6 million, $2.99 million in guarantees. He only counts $1.99 million against salary cap. Hassan Reddick was probably the big, not probably, he definitely was the marquee signing for the Carolina Panthers, getting at a, a very affordable one-year, $8 million with a $6 million signing bonus, so you can make the, those other $2 million up. 
and incentives. Morgan Fox came over from the Los Angeles Rams two years, $8.1 million with $3 million signing bonus, $5 million guaranteed. Rashawn Melvin, a cornerback, playing for his ninth team here for the Carolina Panthers, signed him to a one-year deal. David Moore, wide receiver, coming over from Seattle, was there with Scott Fitterer, had a career year last year playing with Russell Wilson out there in Seattle. He signed a two-year, $4.75 million deal with $1.25 million guaranteed. Tight end Dan Arnold comes over from the Arizona Cardinals, two years, $6 million. So those were the marquee free agent signings the Carolina Panthers had. So what did some of the execs in the NFL, how did they feel about what the Carolina Panthers did? And starting off with Cam Irving, one of the execs said, I was shocked they gave $8 million fully guaranteed to Cam Irving coming off a year where he was making $2.5 million of Dallas, played only six games, and before that was not good in Kansas City when he had to replace Eric Fisher, an exec said. That seemed like a misreading of the market. And I agree with him. I've said it already before. The two signings, the initial signings that they had in free agency on that Monday when the legal tampering period started with Pat Elfline and Cam Irving were not inspiring at all. I appreciate this organization was finally going and addressing the offensive line, but to give those guys $6 million, $8 million, $14 million guaranteed to probably come in and be your starters, you're not paying those guys that kind of money to not be a starter. I understand the positional flexibility that Matt Rule and that Scott Fitter and his organization have really harped on, and the fact that Irving has played both tackle and guard very poorly at that, and F-line has played offensive center, and he's played offensive guard as well. I can understand how those guys might fit into what they want to do in terms of being flexible and be able to move guys across the offensive line. But when it comes down to, are they going to be good enough in upgrades from last year? I don't know. I'm not quite sure about that. The Carolina Panthers offensive line hasn't been good in a number of years. I just don't see how these signings, and according to this NFL exec as well, they don't really understand what exactly the Carolina Panthers were trying to accomplish by signing Pat Fline and Cam Irving. Um, more going on here with another exec saying, I think they've kind of found a little bit of a market inefficiency here. There were a bunch of guys signing one-year one prove-it deals this year. Carolina signed guys that should be on one-year prove-it deals for a little bit more and got a second year out of it, where if you hit on some of them, they're going to be in really good shape next year with underpaid players. And some of those guys, if you talk about it, like two-year guys, if David Moore has the kind of year he had last year in Seattle, which I'm going to say this, I don't think he's going to put the same numbers just because Christian McCaffrey coming back, he's going to be that third option or first option, however you want to look at it in terms of receiving options. With alongside DJ Moore, alongside Robbie Anderson, you put Dan Arnold, a pass catching tight end, into the fold. He's not going to have the same numbers he had in Seattle, but I do think he's going to have a good enough impact where it's going to make a lot of sense, especially for only $4.75 million and $1.25 guaranteed this season coming up. It would make a lot of sense to bring back David Moore if you go and draft a wide receiver who might not quite be ready or any of the guys behind, maybe like an Omar Bayless, aren't ready to step in and be that number three option for Carolina. So I think that's where I agree with them there. Also, Dan Arnold, two years, $6 million. The Carolina Panthers have been desperate to try and find someone who could be a pass-catching tight end. Chris Manhurts, for as much um, as Teddy Bridgewater said he could be a pass-catching tight end last year, that did not happen. Ian Thomas, there was a hope that he would have a breakout year in Joe Brady's offense after we saw what Randy Moss's kid did at LSU a couple of years ago when Joe Brady was OC there. That never came to fruition. So hopefully now Dan Arnold can be one of those guys that you signed to basically a one-year prove-it deal, but it's two years and it's for cheap money. And he could be possibly, if he turns out to work out, 
the long-term pass-catching tight end in this offense. So that's what I hope that happens. So I agree with that exact there. One more quote um, from this athletic article talking about NFL free agency winners, losers, and questions for all 32 teams. This exact says, I don't know if they did much to help them or hurt them. They like those offensive linemen. The problem with Curtis Samuel is knowing how to play him. He's kind of a joker with no real set position. So I can see why they let him go. I could have seen the owner inserting himself there and pushing to add players, but it seems like a pretty conservative, solid approach. And and let's just kind of go back to the David Moore thing I was saying. I feel like Curtis Samuel is a good player, absolutely. But I mainly feel like he put up the numbers that he put up last year in his offense because of Christian McCaffrey's absence. If Christian McCaffrey is playing a full season like he has the first couple years of his career, then I think that Curtis Samuel doesn't have the numbers that he put up last year. He's not having a 1,000 yards from scrimmage like Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore did last year at receiver, both having a 1,000 yards receiving. I just don't think Curtis Samuel would have had those kind of numbers. So it makes sense that the Carolina Panthers didn't sign him, especially the deal that Washington gave him. That just wasn't in the budget. It basically came down to signing Taylor Moten and not signing Curtis Samuel. They had to prioritize one of those guys and considering the state of the offensive line, signing your right tackle and Taylor Moten, and hopefully he will be extended before July 15th or sometime next season. That made more sense with the Carolina Panthers opposed to Curtis Samuel. When you have Chris McCaffrey coming back, you already have DJ Moore and you have Robbie Anderson, and then you're adding in more weapons. It makes way more sense for them not to pay Curtis Samuel as much as I would have loved to see him here. And it was actually great to finally see an offensive coordinator know how to use him, which makes the signing in Washington all that confusing, considering that's the same staff that failed to utilize Curtis Samuel in the right way the first three years of his career. Overall, though, I was just kind of wondering what the Carolina Panthers were trying to accomplish with these free agency signings. Yes, they brought in some guys from the offensive line that they apparently like. They filled in the, the linebacker position, the middle linebacker position with Denzel Perrion. Hopefully he's going to be an upgrade. I can't see how he would not be an upgrade from Tahir Whitehead was last year. Hassan Reddick makes a ton of sense. Played from Mount Rule at Temple. Former first-round pick. Had a breakout year last year. But prior to last season, this time last year, the Cardinals weren't exercising his fifth-year option. So that kind of makes you wonder, was he a one-hit wonder? And he said as much in his initial press conference here in Charlotte that, I want to prove that I was more than just a one-hit wonder. So we will see. But overall, I'm not quite sure whether they upgraded and got better this free agency. So more on that in just a second. Let me tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are all in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Sitting here about three weeks away from the NFL draft that's going to happen on April 29th, I'm kind of taking inventory of free agency with the Carolina Panthers did and asking myself and also asking you, because please tweet at me at Julian Council if you want to answer this question. Did the Panthers get better in free agency? Like seriously, did, did they get better? Have they upgraded across the board with the guys that they brought in? And I'm not quite sure that they did. If we look at the offensive defensive depth charts right now, at quarterback is still Teddy Bridgewater, pretty much to everyone's chagrin. We'll see what happens in the draft coming up. All the mock drafts basically are the Panthers taking quarterback, whether the draft they're trading up to seven, which Todd McShay talked about, which I spoke about on Friday's episode of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Most mock drafts have the Carolina Panthers taking a quarterback. So we'll see if that does come to fruition at the end of the month. So Teddy Bridgewater is still there. Running back. It's kind of an upgrade considering that Christian McCaffrey's coming in here and Mike Davis has now gone to Atlanta. Not necessarily technically an upgrade, but you're getting back your starting running back after he missed 13 games last season. At tight end, Dan Arnold, who had a career year last year in Arizona, is certainly an upgrade from Ian Thomas. Ian Thomas, he has the athleticism. He has the body. You look at him, he's like, this guy absolutely could be a starting tight end in the NFL. And he has been. He could be a productive player. I just think the problem with Ian Thomas is if you go back to when he was at Indiana, he only played two years of football. And he gets to the NFL where this is the highest level of football, the best athletes, the smartest players. And I'm not saying that Ian Thomas isn't doesn't have a high football IQ. It's just difficult to start playing this game that late in life and to have that kind of success. Antonio Gates has been fantastic. He had a fantastic career, having been a, play, a basketball player at Kent State, coming to the NFL and having a Hall of Fame career. Chris Manhurts, who we just had here in Carolina, played basketball at Canisius, came to the NFL, turned himself into a tight end, and he's more of a blocking tight end than a pass-catching tight end. It's gotten him paid in Jacksonville. It had him here on the roster for a number of years in Carolina, but it never came to the point where he was, at least not yet for Manhurts, that he became a go-to kind of guy. And I don't think that's ever going to happen for him. For Ian Thomas, it's year four. Time is running up. If he's ever going to show that he is going to be a pass-catching tight end and option in this offense for the Carolina Panthers, it's going to be this year. He had the opportunity back when Greg Olson was injured a couple seasons there. Didn't take control of it. Last year in Joe Brady's offense, didn't take control of it. So I see Dan Arnold absolutely as an upgrade. DJ Moore's back. Robbie Anderson's back. David Moore coming in for Curtis Samuel is a downgrade, absolutely. But again, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, and I've said several times now, I feel like that production for the number three wide receiver was going to go down regardless of whether Curtis Samuel was going to be here or not, just based off of the fact that Christian McCaffrey is going to be in this offense. At left tackle, Cam Irving, who I'm going to slot in there as a starter based off of the $8 guarantee the Panthers are giving him, that's definitely a downgrade. He wasn't great last year in Dallas, only played six games, wasn't great in Cleveland, wasn't great in Kansas City, any of his previous stops in the NFL, a former first-round pick. He's still in the league, so I don't know if you can necessarily say he's a bust because he's at least around, but he has not been a successful pick. He wasn't for the Browns. He wasn't a successful pickup for Kansas City or Dallas, and I don't see that changing here in Carolina, so that's certainly a downgrade, even if Russell Okun last year, the rent-a-tackle, was barely on the field. So... That's a downgrade for me. Left guard, Chris Reed, just recently signed with the Detroit Lions. He was not great for the Carolina Panthers. Pet offline, he's younger. He wasn't great in Minneapolis. Last year with the Jets when he started the last six games. 
if you care about pro football focus and those grades, he did not grade out well. He gave a number of pressures, only one sack, but a number of pressures did not help out Sam Darnold and that offense. That's a push for me. I don't think they got better. I don't think they got worse. At least there's the potential for Pat Eflide if he can finally figure things out that he can be the long-term center option. And that's where he comes into the positional flexibility I was talking about, that Matt Rule and Scott Fitterer in this organization really covets. He has that. So you could maybe make the argument that is an upgrade. I'm going to say it's a push. Matt Paradis is back, John Miller resigned, and Taylor Moten. So on the offensive side of the ball, upgrade at tight end, but downgrade at your third wide receiver position, downgrade at left tackle and left guard is a push, maybe an upgrade. I don't think it's going to be a downgrade at all because Chris Reed really wasn't all that good. Looking on a defensive side of the ball, I'm going to break this down as more of, as a three-man front. Phil Snow is going to be multiple this year. So you're going to see a lot of three-man fronts. You're going to see four, four-man fronts like we saw last season. And something that really gave Aaron Rodgers on that Saturday night game in Lambeau a lot of difficulty there in the second half. So maybe if they continue to change defenses, add some of these new defensive players with who have more athleticism and are faster and have more speed, that could maybe mean that the Carolina Panthers take another step forward defensively this season, which what they did in the second half of the season, which really going into the year, all they really wanted to see from this defense was for them to make strides in the second half of the season because we had the six weeks where you had Tom Brady and Matt Ryan and Patrick Mahomes, and they were playing either a former MVP or a former Super Bowl MVP, and you saw the secondary in this defense as a whole really struggle. But looking at it as a three-man front in terms of the depth chart, Morgan Fox comes in, and I'm going to say that's a push, just considering that they didn't have a ton of great defensive pressure, whether it was from defensive end position or defensive tackle position. I have him sitting there as a defensive tackle playing next to Derek Brown. K.K. Short not being available, that hurt. Zach Kerr last year, he was good at times, no longer on the roster, wasn't good enough for the Carolina Panthers to bring him back. Bravian Roy, he had his moments. I'm saying that's more of a push with Morgan Fox in there at defensive tackle. Nose guard, I would have Derek Brown there. Same guy from last year. Hopefully he improves upon that from last season. Defensive end, I'm going to put YGM, Etor Grosbados. He's got to be healthy this year. So I'm hoping that he can be able to show that impact and show the kind of player that he was back at Penn State if he can be healthy this season. Outside linebacker, Brian Burns, he's the beast. He's the best player on his defensive roster. Another outside linebacker position who they just signed, Hassan Reddick. That's absolutely an upgrade when you think about having a pass rusher and a guy who had double-digit sacks last year and was a former first-rounder. So now you have two first-rounders on the edge in a three-man front in Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick. That's certainly an upgrade for the defense of having Hassan Reddick. Shaq Thompson's back at one of the linebacker spots. Then in more of an inside linebacker spot, if we're talking about four-man front, even three-man front, in that middle, you got Denzel Perryman. Undoubtedly an upgrade from number 52 to here Whitehead. Um, Whitehead was slandered throughout the entire season by all of Carolina Panthers Twitter, rightfully so. God bless the man's heart. He was just not good. He had always been a decent run stopper, and he had always totaled over 100 tackles pretty much every year in his career. But last season, just he could not figure it out. Denzel Perryman is an undersized guy, but a hard hitter, and I'm really excited to see him play. Dante Jackson back at corner. I'm going to say Rashawn Melvin for right now starts at corner. And that's going to be a push for me. Rasul Douglas, he struggled in coverage at times. He was okay for the Carolina Panthers. And when Dante Jackson was out with the turf toe, he proved to kind of be their best cornerback. And Rashawn Melvin now on his ninth team, I can't say that he's an upgrade from Rasul Douglas, but he does provide experience. 
and a little bit linked from on the outside at 6-1. So it's going to be a push for me. Free safety, putting Jeremy Chin back there after he played all of last season at linebacker, that is going to be an upgrade to me from Trey Boston. Love Trey, hate that he got paid, and then a year after he got, he was one of the salary cap casualties. He's yet to resign with a new team, and that just kind of tells you how the league looks at him. But I think the league looks at Jeremy Chin as one of the young emerging defensive stars, so definitely an upgrade. And also Justin Burris back. So defensively, I see a lot of upgrades of Reddick with Perryman with Chin moving back to free safety, Morgan Fox potentially in that three man front might be an upgrade from Zach Kerr. And from Bravey and Roy and other guys that played defensive tackle in that three-man front last year, especially that he brings the pass rushing element at that three technique that the Carolina Panthers so desperately need. Now, he's a little undersized, and the Carolina Panthers certainly need a bigger defensive tackle to play next to Derrick Brown. And that leads me to wonder if it's realistic, because now the Carolina Panthers are going to add any talent and anyone to fill the holes that they have in this roster how realistic it is for the Carolina Panthers to fill the rest of their needs via the draft. Going to get to that in just a moment. We've been telling you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, guys. They have new and improved flavors that make Built Bar even more deliciouser. Yeah, that's a word, deliciouser. 18 amazing flavors, including these six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake. Oh my God, carrot cake, almond apple crisp. That sounds right up my alley. And it was a 12 original flavors, coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange toffee, almond coconut, and peanut butter brownie. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. And here's the cool thing about Built Bar too. It's easy. They are great for anyone who's health conscious, anyone that's trying to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. They are amazing. I'm telling you, I absolutely love Built Bar and you should absolutely love them too. Hey, and guess what? If you go and order Built Bar online right now at BuiltBar.com, you could potentially win a free cooler while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15 and you get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's April and the Locked On NFL Network of Podcasts is shifting into draft mode. April 19th through the 23rd for the ultimate 2021 mock draft featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Brian Baldinger, and Michael Lombardi. Find out who trades up, who trades back, and who selects the next young star. Stay tuned for more info and where you can find the ultimate 2021 mock draft. How realistic is it for the Carolina Panthers to fill all the needs that they have via the NFL draft? I talked about on Friday when looking at the offseason to-do list, what else do the Carolina Panthers need to do? Left tackle is still a position that I desperately want them to address. 
if they're going to get a quarterback in the first round, then in that second round, they have to get a left tackle. I know a couple years ago, trading up for Greg Little did not work out, and at least it has not worked out to this point. I don't see it ever working out, considering the Panthers re-signed Trent Scott and then gave Cram Irving $8 million guaranteed for the next two seasons. So that's something that needs to be filled. So they need to go draft an offensive tackle at some point in this draft, and hopefully it'll be earlier, considering how Todd McShay and his latest mock draft that I got into on the last episode of the podcast back on Friday, how he talked about 10 offensive tackles going in the first two rounds. The Carolina Panthers absolutely need to be one of those teams that takes one of those top-end offensive tackles, whether it's going to be Rashawn Slater and Panay Stool at eight or in the first round or in the second round where they can get some of the other guys like a Walker Little or anyone else that's going to be available at that point in time. Guard is also a spot that the Panthers are going to have to address. I don't see Pat Elfline or John Miller being long-term options. I know the Panthers sign Elfline thinking that potentially he could be that option at center, and maybe he's better suited to be a center. We have to think back. Minnesota drafted Garrett Bradbury, a local kid from Charlotte who went to NC State in the first round to take over that center position and move Pat Elfline to guard. So are we quite sure that he's going to be ready here in Carolina? I don't know. He was a Remington Award winner back at Ohio State. Sorry, the Ohio State for the top center in the country. So it's possible that with some seasoning in NFL and in this new offensive system and with this new coaching staff that he might work out to be the long-term center option. But it's still something that the Carolina Panthers going to have to figure out with Matt Paradis being gone after this year. Wide receiver, I don't see that being much of a need. You have to remember, though, Panthers by May 3rd need to go out and exercise the option for DJ Moore, which this franchise is absolutely going to do. Robbie Anderson is going into the last year of his deal. Will they extend him? He's only 27 years old, so we sit here right now, played for Matt Rule, had a 1,000-yard receiving season last year, but did kind of taper off the last few weeks of the season. I think that goes along with the emergence of Curtis Samuel. I'm very curious to see what he looks like this year alongside DJ, who's coming off a back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons with Christian McCaffrey coming back in the fold. But I do believe that getting a receiver later on in the draft, maybe in the fourth or fifth round, could make a lot of sense for the Panthers if they're trying to find that long-term option as number three. But that's certainly not a top option for the Carolina Panthers. At corner, I spoke about it. They've got to find someone next to Dante Jackson or someone who's going to be your starting corner once Dante Jackson departs if he does in free agency next year. Troy Pride, Stan Thomas Oliver are both unproven. They played a little bit last year when they really didn't need to be out there. They showed some flashes, but largely struggled in that secondary. At safety, you're going to need a long-term option next to Jeremy Chin. So there's that as well. And defensive tackle, like I said, you need to find a three technique and someone who can fit in next to Derek Brown for the long term. So we're talking about left tackle, guard, center, wide receiver, corner, safety, defensive tackle. Seven needs. And really, you need two guard positions. That's eight needs. Eight needs, eight picks. Three of those picks coming in the sixth round. I don't believe the Carolina Panthers are going to be able to fill out their roster with eight guys in this draft that are going to be day one starters that are absolutely going to fill all the needs that the Carolina Panthers have. I just don't think it's a feasible thing and something that you should ask. I do hope that if they I hope they either go offensive tackle quarterback in the first round, just knowing that you need to identify someone who can be the blind side for the future or your quarterback of the future because you need that and you need an upgrade from Teddy Bridgewater. Not immediately, but you're going to need one eventually. And if they find someone that they like, whether it's Justin Fields or Trey Lance thing, sitting there at eight or moving up to seven to go get one of those guys, then go get them. Cornerback or safety? Like, that's the question, too. And that's something I'm probably going to get into more in tomorrow's episode. Which one do the Panthers need more? You have 
Jeremy Chin back there already that you know is going to be your long-term safety. But at corner, we're not quite sure about the the future of Dante or Troy Pride and Stan Thomas Oliver, who was the seventh-round pick. Whether all those guys are going to be back or, I mean, whether they're going to be good enough, really. Because we're not sure whether Dante would be back. But will Stan or Troy Pride turn into being your number one or number two corner? Or does it make more sense to get a safety? Like a Richie Grant from UCF, who this staff loved, that Matt Rule praised at the Senior Bowl down in Mobile, could you get him? A tight end, maybe in the sixth round, a Noah Gray, who they also coached at the Senior Bowl, a guy who went to Duke, would fit in perfectly in terms of a pass-catching tight end. Long-term, if Dan Arnold and Ian Thomas don't show you enough this season here in 2021, there's a lot of needs that this roster has. And that's kind of why I've, I've sat back and told a lot of people and I've told y'all who listen to this podcast and my friends and anyone I talk about with the Carolina Panthers that this team's not a quarterback away. So while I understand that everyone wants a quarterback, and I think that it would make sense for them to get a quarterback this draft, that they like the quarterback that's available to them. But I just don't see this team being right there to compete next year, especially with what Tampa Bay has coming back. New Orleans certainly is a question mark at the quarterback position with the rest of the roster is very good. Atlanta, if they add a Kyle Pitts, with Matt Ryan coming back and a new offense of Arthur Smith, things could change for them. Their defense has been atrocious, though, so I don't know what the I don't know what to expect from the Falcons. With the Panthers, though, it's gonna be very hard. Where I don't know how much they improve, if at all, in free agency. It's gonna be very hard for them to fill the gaps in the holes in the draft with a bunch of rookie players. Even if they do put in the rookies, whether those guys are gonna materialize to being long-term starters and even impact players in their first year. So. There's a lot to ask this Carolina Panthers team to do in coming to draft and for the rest of free agency in order to be in contention for the division next year. I don't think that's going to happen, but it's possible with some seasoning from the guys who are coming into their second year and everyone else really on the roster playing in their second season in this new system under Matt Rule's coaching staff that they could all improve enough to where the Carolina Panthers are a team that's right there on the cusp, right on the outside of the wild card position and playing meaningful football in December, which is something that we all desperately want. That concludes this episode of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Again, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can also check us out on Spotify, on the new Odyssey app, and pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. Also, you can make sure to check out my other podcast that I have where I focus solely on Charlotte sports called The 704 with yours truly, Julian Council. You'll find all of that and pretty much anything going through my head outside of the podcast space and with the Carolina Panthers and all the sports teams in Charlotte. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council. Again, thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.